This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. About two weeks ago, the day before my dad's funeral, I was struggling with the reality of his passing away and that I can't simply pick up the phone and call him and say, Hi, Dad. How's it going? That day before the funeral, I heard these words drop into my heart. You have one life. Make it count. We can either live with regrets of what should have been, or we can decide to look forward and make every day count. You have one life. Make it count. Why speak about life after death? Everything in this life looks different in the light of heaven. Instead of being transfixed on the little bit in front of you, it's like being transported to a high mountain where we can step back and are able to see much further than before. That context or that bigger perspective helps us to live wisely and to invest our days well. Now, I've been reading this book, Imagine Heaven, by John Burke. It's given me this mountaintop perspective. And as I read the stories, the accounts of NDEs, near-death experiences of those who died and were resuscitated and brought back to life, it has simply blown my mind and inspired my heart for heaven. When we take a step back and, and, we, and we see beyond this life, it brings a new urgency to make every day count. When your head rests on your pillow at night, can you say, man, I lived this day fully. I made this day count. Or are you merely going through the motions, busy with trivial things with little eternal impact? Imagine going to sleep every evening knowing that this day wasn't wasted. I made it count. Will today be a yay day or a nay day for you? Yea, it counted or another day wasted. Today, I want to share with you how you can make your life count. Many studies have been done on NDEs, convincing many former skeptics that these people truly pass from death into some new state of existence. Over 900 articles on NDEs were published in scholarly literature prior to 2011, gracing the pages of varied scientific psychology journals. The Handbook of Near-Death Experiences chronicles 55 researchers or teams who have published at least 65 studies of over 3,500 NDEs. Many have come to the conclusion that there is life after death. That is great news. Science is merely confirming what we already know from Scripture. So let us take a step back for a moment to get that bigger perspective of what awaits us in heaven. These people who died and came back to life share that instead of having only five senses. In heaven, it seems like they had 50 senses. They felt alive in an indescribable way. They received a new body radiating light. It is like they were clothed in living light. Jesus possibly spoke of this when he said, 
in Matthew 13, 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. One of the most beautiful aspects of many of these NDE stories is when they meet the one who shines brighter than the sun. Jesus Christ radiating a love and kindness like nothing they have experienced before. The result is that people don't want to come back because this life, this world, from a heavenly perspective, is merely a shadow of life in heaven. Even our perspective on suffering is significantly changed when we look from above. As Mother Teresa said, in light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious tortures on earth, will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. I love that. One night in an inconvenient hotel because we have heaven to look forward to. Also confirmed in scripture is that Jesus shines brighter than the sun. For Jesus reveals himself to be the bright and morning star. Revelation chapter 22. And Jesus says, I, Jesus, am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. When we catch a glimpse of heaven, of eternity, and of the bright and morning star, we will desire God himself more than anything else this world can offer us. The apostle Paul most probably was sharing from his own near-death experience after being stoned to death, as mentioned in the book of Acts, and resurrected back to life when the disciples prayed for him. He shares in 2 Corinthians 5, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. Home is heaven. And the Apostle Paul longed to return there. He also shares about this later on in 2 Corinthians 12. And he says, I know such a man, speaking of himself, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words. Paul was caught up into a place he calls paradise and he heard unexplainable things. Wow, something to look forward to. Now, now you might think that by focusing on heaven, it will cause us to not be of any earthly good. Not so. The more we focus on eternity, on heaven, and life after death, the more we will make our lives count here and now. The less distracted we will be, the more fearless we will become, and our priorities will be radically shifted. So how do we make our lives count? First, we need to believe in the reality of life after death. So listen to this incredible account. And now to an incredible story of survival. A well-respected surgeon kayaking in a remote South American river drowns. 
15 minutes underwater after, her, after a horrific accident pins her to the bottom of a river. No air and no way out. Amazingly, Dr. Mary Neal did manage to make it out alive after she was rescued. But she says she had a glimpse of the afterlife that she calls one of the greatest gifts she's ever received while she was struggling under that water. Author of the book, To Heaven and Back, Dr. Mary Neal joins me now. She's an orthopedic spinal surgeon. Dr. Neal, thank you so much for being here. I, I want to start with this. Prior to this incident, were you a religious person? I would say I was pretty typical in that I was raised in a church on Sunday mornings, and I did take my own children to Sunday school. But I think it was typical that I never incorporated spirituality into my daily life. And did, so did you have, a, did you have a thought about an afterlife or a heaven prior to this, one way or the other? I'm not sure I really spent the time to think about it. I had four young children and a full-time job and a husband, and life gets in the way of thinking about spiritual mm -hmm. things usually. So you're out in this horrific accident. You find yourself under a waterfall uh, kayaking, and you get It pinned. wasn't horrific. It was wonderful. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. It starts off kind of <laughs> horrific, though. Uh, and, and take us through it. What, what happens to you as you find yourself submerged underwater? Well, I was submerged, and the force of the water had me absolutely pinned to the front deck of the boat. And so I was not able to push myself out of the boat or pull the spray skirt off and exit the boat. And I tried a number of times before it became clear that I wasn't going to be able to exit the boat on my own. And I was far enough away from the shore of the river that I didn't think anyone was going to be pulling me out. And at that time, I gave my life over to God and truly and sincerely asked that God's will be done. And at that moment, everything changed. I was very calm and peaceful and felt great. And I had this very physical sense of being held and comforted and reassured that everything would be fine. My husband and my children would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. This is while you're under the water with no air, with, you, you can't breathe, you're, you're completely submerged. You, do you believe you were dying? Yes. I continued to do self-assessment exams, and I knew I couldn't breathe. But for me, it was a very seamless transition. I had never wanted to drown. I had always been afraid of drowning, even though I'm a water person. And for me, one of the remarkable things is that I never felt panic. I never felt afraid. I was really very calm and continually reassured, even though I knew that I had no air and I knew that I was dying. You say you, you felt you, you rose up and out of the river, and when my soul broke through the surface of the water, I encountered a group of 15 or 20 souls who greeted me with the most overwhelming joy I have ever experienced. Tell us about that. It was fantastic. These were people, spirits, souls. I'm not quite sure what to call them. All the words sound a little goofy. But they embraced me and were so filled with love and joy. We were so happy to see each other. And they were clearly there to help me go down this path and protect me. 
and it was wonderful. They were exploding with God's love and grace, and they took me down this path that was so beautiful that I have really no words to describe it. And time and space had a different sense, and so I could rejoice with them. Simultaneously, I could look back at the riverbank and see my body being pulled to the shore and seeing CPR being started. And I looked back on my body and sort of felt fondly toward it and thought, gee, you, you served me well. And it was then that I truly realized that I must actually be dead. Wow. Do, do you, as a doctor, have a medical explanation for any of that? Where medicine ends, God begins. That's the real answer. Because this was not a dream or a hallucination, and it wasn't the result of a dying brain. This was more real than anything we experience here on Earth. And, and now, I, now, having been through it, do you have any fear of your own death? Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't hasten it, but I am looking forward to going back when it's the right time. Wow. I have no fear. Dr. Mary Neal, it's an incredible story, and we're so grateful that you came on to share it with us. I do want to ask you, before I let you go quickly, you say one of the, one of the questions that you feel you can answer in the book is, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Can you leave us with your thoughts on that? I would tell you that there's no such thing as something that's bad. As one very quick example, you call this a horrific accident. I look at it with incredible gratitude and joy. And we may not understand how a, quote, bad thing transitions into a beautiful thing. But I think when you truly have trust that that beauty exists, we can look, and it's unfortunately always retrospectively, but we can almost always look back at something and see all of the incredibly positive and beautiful things that have come out of something that would originally be called tragic. Yeah. It's wonderful to hear how fearless she became due to her heavenly experience. You and I will become the same when we become heavenly minded. What dreams would you pursue if you were fearless? I believe there are three areas that you need to be aware of if you are to make your life count, if you desire to make every day count for eternity. Three areas. You need to be aware of God, aware of self, and of those on God's heart. I call this the pyramid of priority. When you keep these three priorities front and center every day, you are sure to make your life count. Priority number one, God. Be aware of God. You need to walk with God daily and intimately. All of life flows from Him and He empowers us and leads us to make our lives count. Priority number two, self. Be aware of self. Where your heart is at, deal with bitterness, unforgiveness, and disappointments, and focus on growing as a person. If you want your life to count, you need to grow into the person God has destined you to be, to become more Christ-like. Priority number three, 
people. Be aware of those in God's heart. People matter to God. If you want to make your life count, then you need to touch people with God's love. That is a life that pleases the heart of God. Today, I'm going to focus on priority number one, walking with God intimately. And in the following two videos, I will unpack the other two priorities. Why is God the first priority when it comes to making your life count? He's the creator. Only God, the creator, knows your true purpose in life. You can only discover who you truly are and what you are called to do in life when you walk with him. You become the true you. As you draw closer to God, you become the true you in him. That is one of the most exciting aspects of those who stepped into heaven. They met their true selves, the one they were always destined to be and free from the baggage of a bad life or disappointments. When you become aware of God's heart for others and you step into his presence daily, then you are empowered to step out and to do what's on his heart. That is how you make your life count. You see, everything begins with God. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the man who made his life count more than any person before or after. In only three and a half years of ministry from the age of 30 to 33 approximately, he changed the world, which is astounding. There was worldwide impact that we're still feeling 2,000 years later. Two billion people worship Jesus as God. Jesus was in step with his father and therefore his life made a lasting impact. He is the one who shines brighter than the sun, who gives life to all. Jesus walked intimately with his heavenly father. And we discover this key to how Jesus lived in John chapter 5. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus says there, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now, if Jesus could do nothing of himself, how much more is that true for you and for me? We cannot make an eternal impact without God working in us and through us. And then he says there as well, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus saw what his heavenly father was doing. The eyes of the heart and to hear and to see what God was doing and where God was working. Jesus was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made this life count. And I believe every day of his ministry counted because he was in step with the Spirit. That is our invitation. Jesus' life is an invitation to you and me to follow in his footsteps, to walk with God daily. So key number one to making your life count, start. Start the day with God. Set time aside to focus on him. Turn social media off. Have no phone distractions or disruptions. Declutter your heart and mind by giving things over to him. And then be present. Be fully focused on Him. At times, you know, in ages past, when we still had coffee shops, I would sit there next to my wife, Sonica, and at times be completely distracted. 
burdened with responsibilities and challenges I was facing. And I was missing the moment. And I certainly was not Sonica aware. My heart and mind were somewhere else, although I was physically there. You know, that's what happens to many people when it comes to God. We go through the motions. We might read a verse from the Bible, maybe pray a little bit, sing a few worship songs, but we're not present. You need to be present. You need to become God aware if you want to make your life count. Everything begins with Him and flows from Him. So that first part of the day is essential. If you want to redeem the rest of the day, start the day with God and and, and you will be empowered to shift your whole day into making the day count. So Jesus continues and He speaks in John chapter 5 and He says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. God the Father loves you and desires to reveal to you who and what is on His heart, as He did with Jesus. So God wants to show you all things that He is doing today and tomorrow and the day thereafter. God desires you to make your life count. You have one life. Make it count. Jesus did nothing of Himself but lived in perpetual communion with His heavenly Father, intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful place to live. God has given us such a powerful tool, and that is key number two, worship. Many times I start my morning devotion simply by reading the Word of God. Wherever I left off last time, often I feel distant and disconnected from God, not engaged with Him and His Word as I start off. But then when I begin to worship Him, Things shift quickly. If I am present, focused, few things make us as God aware as when we wholeheartedly worship God. Worship Him and make your life count. Put on a well-known worship song or lyric video via YouTube and worship God. Lift up the name of Jesus over your home and shift the atmosphere to a heavenly one. And yes, Sometimes you simply worship whether you feel like it or not. It's a sacrifice of praise. When you continue, you will feel more engaged with God. Extravagant, passionate, undistracted worship of God is life-giving. So set some time aside this week to worship along with maybe your family, children. It has been some of our most precious times during this lockdown as we as a family worship together. There is an invitation for us from God to live in perpetual fellowship with Him. And worship is a mighty tool given to us to engage with Him. Through worship, we step into His presence. One day after death, we will fully step into God's presence where there will be no fear, no doubts, no insecurities, and perfect self-knowledge. It will be wonderful and easy. But now we have an invitation in the midst of the struggles, the fears, the doubts to step into that realm through worship and prayer. At times when I wake up in the morning, I feel down. I feel burdened, struggling with my faith. And even just reading the word after that, it doesn't shift it. 
until I worship. Then suddenly as I step into God's presence, the burden is lifted and I feel faith and confidence flow back again. We don't need to wait for heaven to step into God's presence. Do that today. You see, God is always working, always ready to touch and to transform a life. But you need to shift yourself onto His wavelength. You need to align your heart with Him to make your life count. So walk with Him through a lifestyle of worship. Wherever you go, wherever you are, worship Him. And then it says, and He will show you greater works than these that you may marvel. God wants to reveal to you wonderful things that He is doing. In this specific case, Jesus healed a man that was paralyzed for over 38 years. And yet Jesus is saying, God wants to reveal to you even greater things. God wants to show you what He is doing so that you can partner with Him in that, that you may marvel. Something supernatural happens when you and I begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit in step with what's on our Heavenly Father's heart. People will be astounded. They will marvel at what God does through ordinary people like you and me so that the name of Jesus is glorified. Now, Marvel Comics movies are wonderful entertainment. It's make-believe stories, and it has captivated the imagination of our generation. But the real deal, true heroes and of great signs and wonders and miracles that cause people to truly marvel is found in the Bible. That you may marvel, as Jesus said, amazed. The biggest box office movie of all time is the Marvel movie Endgame. In the climactic conclusion, Doctor Strange looked into the future using the time stone and sees that there is only one option for them to beat the evil villain Thanos. There's just one option out of 14 million plus possible future outcomes. And so he communicates this to Tony Stark, Iron Man, revealing to Tony his destiny to use the Infinity Stones against Thanos and in the process sacrifice his life for the sake of others. In the story, Tony saved the universe, even as Jesus Christ saved all of mankind when he died at the cross. I love that moment where Doctor Strange lifts his finger saying, one, just one chance to win out of 14 million possible outcomes. And yes, good triumphs over evil. Evil tends to overplay its hand at some point, but good. And God ultimately wins. God is saying to all of mankind, I am inevitable. My plans will come to pass. Read the end of the book, we win. And then God reigns over all. In a similar way, but certainly not as dramatic, when we walk with God, He reveals to us daily the one thing that you and I can do to make the day count. Make your day count by connecting with God intimately to be changed and to love someone on God's heart. The third key is to walk with God. Being in step with the Spirit is to be able to partner with God in what He's doing and not simply doing our own thing. It's as simple as spending time with God and suddenly you sense or feel someone specific on your heart. It's like God whispers in your ear a name of someone on his heart who needs help. It might just be a thought or a sense, but often that is how God reveals to us 
where to focus. I often experience this. During prayer the one morning, a lady's name popped up in my mind. I phoned her a bit late to hear how she's doing. We haven't spoken in months. And in that case, she was amazed that I phoned her because she tried to commit suicide the previous day. And she was struggling to work through things. I told her, see, God loves you. He revealed to me that you are struggling and he has not forgotten you. And we could spend some time with her in prayer and counseling. You see, that is being in step with the Spirit, being God aware. That is when our lives truly count. You can't be everything to everyone, but you can be a powerful instrument in God's hands by being in the right place at the right time to impact someone with His love. But you need to be God aware. The final verse I want to read, Jesus continues in John chapter 5. Verse 21, and he says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. God wants to give you life today. I contacted an old school friend this past week. He's alone at home during lockdown. His girlfriend of four years left him, and he's depressed. I tried to encourage him to turn to God in this difficult time. His response Andre, you know, I'm not a believer. Oh, that just broke my heart. Everything he is looking for in life is found in Jesus. If only he would take the step to trust in God. The Son gives life. Jesus wants to give you life today. Don't resist God's love. Simply surrender, hand your heart and life over to him. You will not be disappointed. You will gain overflowing life now and paradise in the next. You have one life. Make it count. Will it be a yay day or a nay day for you? If you want to make your life count, you need to walk with God. Embrace the priority pyramid and begin to walk with God daily. Firstly, start the day with Him. Secondly, worship Him wholeheartedly. And thirdly, partner with what God is doing today. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.